Hello, and welcome everyone to part four of the Anderson Countdown. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Shelton, and this week we have on the docket a conversation about Wes Anderson's first collaboration with co-writer Noah Baumbach. That is The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Before we get to that, though, with me, as always, I have my Countdown co-hosts, Scott Harvey and Jay Habib. Jay, you first. How are you today? I'm good, Scott. It's starting to feel like summer uh, in New York. Which, you know, might be well past that uh, once this airs. But are we recording this in April, May, August, September? Who knows? <laughs> um, I'm pulling for the Miami Heat tonight. I'll, I'll drop that in as this. That might help time. Box Crazy! It. It's November. All right, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, no complaints. Scott Harvey, how you doing? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, well, Jay, you didn't mention the historic event that has happened since we last recorded, which is that uh, you and I met in person for the very first time um, Yeah, in, in New York. We went to your former place of employment, a.k.a. City Field, and uh, we had a, a grand old time. So uh, it was uh, it was a fun experience after I don't get I mean, how long has it been now of us doing this year and a half? or so uh it's been way more years. than that we, we started this yeah. before the pandemic that's a, pa- that's a pandemic time live right there. i mean look we, are, we don't we, none of us know what time was this is, time is anymore this has been long established but, Star Wars, yeah. man. well anyway it's been years. multiple years now and we had never met before so that was nice uh yes no it was it was we, good we to, had a conversation we had a conversation about height and whether we were the the height that we thought the other person was and i'm sure i was no surprise because i do probably give off short short king energy so i I mentioned though i thought you were taller but like not like in a i imagine you'd be taller like snooty kind of way just like oh like i I don't know i kind of thought we were the same height or close to i want to really let that off it's only like you know no yeah i mean few few inches but no i am what's a i am short Sorry for I know all the many podcast listeners we have out there who I've never met before. Uh, many of them, I'm sure. Uh, I am not tall. Sorry to disappoint. I think everyone just logged off. So I, don't, I think we're done for the day. Now that they found out that you're not as tall as they to thought a you podcast were. Podcast with a bunch of short dudes on it. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, that historic event happened. Other, I thought Scott, I thought you were going to say the historic event of Everton staying in the Premier League. I got, Not I got distracted. It's something that has happened every single year in the Premier League. So it's true. Nothing, just it was just a routine, you know, survival. Nothing, nothing scary about it whatsoever. <laughs> nothing special whatsoever. Tap the badge. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, guys, why don't we get down to business with the discussion of I think maybe our first glimpse, if it's fair to say, at sentimental Wes with the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. It's the auteur's fourth film, and it's an homage to the famed French diving pioneer Jacques Cousteau. The titular protagonist and Jacques Cousteau stand-in, Steve Zissou, is played by now-recurring collaborator Bill Murray, and he's joined in the cast by another West regular, Owen Wilson, who plays Zissou's maybe, but maybe not, son, Ned Plimpton. Ned seeks out Steve at the premiere of part one of Steve's latest documentary, in which his longtime best friend and chief diver Esteban is mysteriously devoured by a huge, luminescently spotted creature with Z- which Zizu claims is a jaguar shark. The film receives a lukewarm response consistent with the diver and documentarian's declining work over the previous decade, but he's determined nevertheless to make part two of his film and seek vengeance on the creature that killed his best friend. The catch? No one wants to fund his, his movie and he needs more monetary backing. Ned 
is willing to provide that and has the so as to have the chance to get to know the man who he believes to be his father. Steve welcomes him on board and accepts him as his son, allowing Ned to join the crew of the Belafonte, which includes first mate Klaus, played by Willem Dafoe, estranged wife Eleanor, played by Angelica Houston, embedded journalist Jane, played by Clay Blanchett, and a host of others in a gaggle of unpaid interns. A recipe for a great film, if you ask me. And with that, Jay, let's go to you first, as usual. What did you make of this particular Wes Anderson outing? It's a film that, maybe like Zisu's documentary at the start of the film, received mixed reviews at its release, but since has become a bit of a cult classic. So I guess my question for you is this. Did you have the same reaction as critics initially, or are you joining the revisionists saying this is one of Wes's best? I want to backpedal for a second. The first look at Sentimental West was Royal Tenenbaums, not a sentimental movie. I think I think that he he has done movies that are, I'd say, clearly homages to things that he appreciates and adores. Um, I'm not sure that the Royal Tenenbaums is that, but it has that same vibe, I guess. I don't know. Scott, I, mean, I would, say, I would even... I would even say that the play from the end of Rushmore, I mean, is pretty sentimental. That too. The Vietnam War is sentimental? Okay, maybe. (laughs) But it's the context of it, okay? (laughs) Okay. Well, sure, if you want to ask me about All right, everyone, stand down. Forget about the sentimentalness. (laughs) Sure, we we, we can talk about this Wes Anderson movie starring, you know, an old kind of messed up guy who I maybe want to root for, but not all the time. Just like the last one. Um, (laughs) Nothing like the Royal Tenenbaums, yeah. (laughs) But I... I think I land more on the side of the revisionists. I actually like had a pretty good time start to finish. Like I thought the premise was ridiculous and I was just, you know, kind of waiting for shit to hit the fan the entire time. It, you know, seemed like, you know, without getting too into spoilers, like, you know, this was headed towards one very clear direction. Uh, and, you know, this Bill, uh, Bill Murray's character is just like awful human being. Um, even if he like maybe means well, but, you know, not, not great to people around him you know, homophobic if we want to go there. Uh, and just like, you know, not not a great guy, but the, the premise of the film and just like, I don't know, the character, like something about just like this like hodgepodge of uh, like, you know, recognizable great actors just like playing this, you know, absurdist story out. Uh, I don't know, it worked for me. Like I wasn't really bored at all. And like, I was enjoying myself, if I even say. Um, and I mean, I... You know, being new to the world of Wes Anderson, like, you know, again, not totally having a grasp on like what I think his style encapsulates, but definitely starting to get there more so. Again, there are a lot of the same types of cuts in this one that we've seen before. You know, the music montages, like left and right. Uh, his style seems to be very much like solidifying in my mind. Um, so yeah, like great, like it was a good time. I, you know, it's not like my favorite one we've seen so far, but like. I had a good time. Scott, what do you think? Is is Wes having fun here and entertaining the crowd, or is this a bit boring for you? No, I really enjoyed this movie. I I have enjoyed it since the first time I saw it. I think this is maybe the third watch I've had, uh, but it had been quite a while, so there's a lot I didn't remember. But it definitely holds up and maybe is even better than I remembered it. I mean, it is, of course, it's funny because I think all of Wes Anderson's movies are funny, but this is like maybe his saddest movie or at least the saddest one that we've watched so far. I feel like, uh, you know, the last, uh, 20 minutes, especially, I mean, you know, we start off with him, his best friend dying or whatever. And all of it is played in this very Wes Anderson deadpan way to where you're almost laughing even at like some of the sadder moments. But 
I think it really locks in in that last 20 minutes. I think that last 20 minutes of the movie are honestly pretty spectacular um, and quite moving, like maybe more moving than anything we've seen in any of in the movies so far. So um, I think he he brings it home really nicely. And, and yeah, again, another movie where like, yeah, you have an a-hole as your protagonist, but like, again, you can't help help but in that last act of the movie, but like to be kind of emotionally stirred at the very least at watching, um, you know, him come to terms with, I, I mean, it is kind of a Royal Tenenbaums, like revelation of like embracing the community around him, right? Like I think um, ultimately that's kind of the realization he comes to towards the end is um, about this sort of unique band of characters, a lot of whom have stuck with him through everything. Um, and the appreciation that he has for them and their support, however begrudging of what he does. Um, and, you know, he's a narcissistic character for sure. Um, but it starts, he, he starts to open up in the end. And, but of course, like that, what, what, um, gets us to that point is some pretty tragic things happening. Um, again, kind of played in a way where you don't know whether you, sh you should even laugh or uh, you should be laughing or, you know, tearing up or what, but that's just what we come to expect from Wes. But um, I think the visually it's a really fun movie as well. Like the, the a submarine is really, I think like a great setting for a great sandbox for his um, style. Like, one of the very first shots we see of, of the outside of the submarine is like basically like a dollhouse of like from afar of just like all the little sections like compartmentalized and everything. And even when like the submarine comes to life or whatever, that's still like the feel he brings to us. Like it's, it's like he's standing outside looking at like a scale model of this thing. And just like, you know, when someone moves from the, you know, of one room to the next, like we see the outside of it and um, it, it's, it's familiar to people. It's certainly familiar to people who are familiar with Wes's style, but I think it lends itself well, like I said, to a, uh, to a submarine. But anyway, it's a great movie. Um, I think all the performances are really strong. Um, I think it's a shame that this is the only time he and Kate Blanchett have worked together. I think she's definitely one of the standout members of the cast for me. Um, I, I really like her character and their portrayal of like a working woman also having to deal with this, unexpected motherhood and that coming from the her editor basically who's a married man just the way that all those things are interacting i think um he does a nice job of portraying that maybe the character trails off a little bit in the end but i think um he, you know he does a good job for the most part and her performance is very charming um you know offsetting i think the often um off-putting nature of Bill Murray's character. And same for Owen Wilson, right? Like, I think this is a pretty Owen Wilson-y Owen Wilson, but, like, he's he's good. Um, the accent's a little suspect at times, but otherwise I think um, it, he's good. So, yeah, it's it's a nice movie. It, it sneaks up on you, I think, like I said, in the last 20 minutes how um, moving it actually is. But it's also funny. It's got a, you know, it's in an interesting setting. Um, characters you remember like it has all the things basically that i want from a great wes anderson movie um and i don't really know why it was reception was mixed at the time i was looking back through some old reviews a little bit i think this is 
I don't know. I, I feel like criticism has thankfully advanced past this point, but I think it was a lot of people just being like, well, this is just all style over substance and whatnot. And uh, maybe we're really just vibe just, with the deadpan humor from what I could. He's tell. too quirky for his own good. I saw a lot of that type of stuff too. Whereas I, I think people have really come around on that in recent years and learned to embrace Wes's style for what it is. Cause I, I, I mean, I understand it's not for everyone. Like people are going to find it too quirky for sure, but I don't think he is being that way just to be that way. Like I think there's purpose to to what he does. But um, anyway, I, I think it's a great movie and one that people may not be as familiar with in, in Wes's oeuvre, but I think deserves to be considered alongside some of his best movies. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think pretty consistent with definitely my feelings on the Royal Tenenbaums. I, I think that Wes really, it really feels like he's found that style. He wants to bring his like that sort of sweet spot of where he wants to deliver the humor with the sort of, you know, if we want to use the word sentimental, if you want to use the word, you know, poignant, however, however you might want to describe it. I think he, he's found that balance that really works well. And, you know, if the deadpan humor doesn't work for you, then, you know, the film's not going to work for you. I, I, the couple of reviews that I were looking at really, I think zeroed in on how it just felt kind of fake because of like the way a lot of the lines were delivered and feel like felt like forced or, or ingenuine. Um, and I just don't feel that way at all. I, I think that I do think that the, the style is definitely a choice he's choosing and it is intentional and purposeful. I do also think that it's like the only it's like his way of connecting with emotions, right? Like I feel like we all have different ways that we sort of process things and accept things and, and work through things. And I think maybe this is just the way that, that Wes works through the emotions he's trying to convey in his script. And it's the only, I think it might be the only way he knows how to do it. Um, does that mean that it's all style and no substance? I think maybe quite the opposite. It's style for the sake of substance. I'd even argue. The style is the substance. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> I don't know if I'd agree with that, but I think that it's the style is a is a means to get to the substance for me, at least, and as a, how I process it. And I think that he's just found a cohort of people who are really able to meet him at that level. You know, with people like Bill Murray, with Owen Wilson, um, and now these new collaborators that he's found. I think Kate Blanchett. I, I'd, I'd agree with your point there. She's she feels like someone who's able to get down. Um, with that particular style, with that particular delivery. Um, it's so funny to think that like, you know, the the three of the big movies that she did before this were the Lord of the Rings movies where she was playing, you know, sort of like the most like composed, refined elf in Galadriel. And then she goes off and is like this like freewheeling journalist who, you know, ha had a relationship with her, you know, an affair with her boss and is pregnant. And it's just like so funny to, to think about the contrast between those those different things. Um, she does a pretty good job there and then i mean willem dafoe what a what a charm i'm excited it's not the last time that wes is going to collaborate with him i'm excited to get to talk to him and talk about him in future movies but i think all the sort of supporting cast around you know the central two or three figures i think that they really complement the style and the substance i guess to keep going back to that and overall it's, it's a joy i mean in many ways i feel like th this is the film i don't know it quite reaches the emotional crescendo that something like Tenenbaums did for me um although I do think the last you know the last moments in the in the film are, are quite powerful it, it does feel like it's 
the most fun at certain parts that he's had, which is maybe a weird thing to say about this movie. But, you know, I, I think that the scene on the beach, like invading the island, I mean, I think that is just absolute, absolutely a gaffe. Like that is just hilarious. Jeff, Gold, Jeff Goldblum shooting is also one of the funniest parts for sure of the movie. Fold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeff Goldblum doing most things is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, I do think that that's like the one in terms of like narrative thread that just feels a bit silly to me. It's like probably the thing that I'd point out the most is uh, feels a bit out of place and I'm not sure that it's entirely necessary, but it's, it's just a big goof. Um, and it's a really good goof in my opinion. I think that whole, the whole Island sequence is, is pretty hilarious. So overall, I also really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, you know, we've seen four films so far, so it's hard to say like what's top half, what's bottom half or whatever, but I, I did really enjoy uh, enjoyed this one but you know I, I mentioned some of my thoughts on the the sort of central characters in the cast I'd say I think it's fair to say the two leads in the movie are Bill Murray and Owen Wilson Scott let's go back to you first what, what did you think of these two performances first of all I want to add just on something you said you know you sure. mentioned that some of the critics called the deadpan humor like fake or forced or whatever interesting like meta layers when you consider in the movie that a lot of people are accusing Steve himself of like as particularly the latest film of being fake, right? Of being sure. uh, manufactured. Whereas we come to learn at least the big, big beats in that, the movie, you know, Esteban, Esteban's death, the Jaguar shark and all that. It's all gets validated in the end. Um, so, but anyway, just thought that was an interesting. I don't feel like people had said about that about his humor before that though. So I'm not sure that it's like intentionally meta about that. Yeah. Which is kind of weird that all of a sudden they felt like this because I don't feel like this, movie is like humor wise is like really off center from what we've already watched but i don't know maybe that's just me being familiar with his style but i feel like tenenbaum yeah. felt like an evolution of the first two movies and i think this one felt pretty pretty similarly like similar tonally to tenenbaums and i think maybe it's like oh he's like stopped innovating like you, you know how people say that about musicians sometimes sure. um anyway yeah that's a, that's a side tangent i know people say it about my favorite band arcade fire but anyway um <laughs> performances i think they're really good uh bill murray you know we talked about with rushmore like i still think i, I maybe i like him slightly more in rushmore um but this is a great i mean obviously he's elite here and um yeah he's he's perfect for that character of steve as a guy who just like doesn't know i mean he, he literally says it like in the third act movie like he doesn't know how to express emotion or whatever um and he all of a sudden he gets thrust into this relationship with a son who Owen Wilson, who he did, he know he had the son. Did he not? Like there's kind of some tension there that goes on in the movie. Um, but ultimately it seems like at least at first it's driven by, he, he embraces it, but he it's, he embraces it because Owen Wilson is like a super fan of him. Right. And he's a narcissist. So yeah. yeah, exactly. So he, and and like it, it's just a, it's a trend, right? He invite Willem Dafoe is like just a complete. His character is like a complete simp, really, for Steve. And uh, so he surrounds himself with these people who are kind of yes men to whatever he wants to do. But anyway, um, also Ned obviously provides money, so that um, is part of it. But you know, over the course of the movie, obviously they start to grow on each other, um, and. Ned in particular starts to grow on Steve and until they do become like something close to a father or son and son. 
and when they interesting choice that the movie makes right is just as they are growing closer together like we learn that you know we get the reveal that they're not actually father and son right because steve is sterile and can't have children so um it's not actually his son uh but uh, you know they they've come to embrace each other and again i don't think it's even as much like the father-son type thing it is as it is ned just being a part of this like greater community that he has aboard the submarine ultimately um and so it it does become you know moving towards the end when um ned obviously dies and then um he's reckoning with that and bill murray's performance i mean is fantastic in that scene where they're uh, with the jaguar shark um and you know the way that the tear like he slowly starts to get emotional like we haven't seen him really for any part of the movie um is is great and the way he delivers that one line of i wonder i wonder if he remembers me about the shark like that might be like my my favorite moment in the movie uh because there's obviously a lot of subtext um there too with his from his relationship with ned so i think um that scene in particular if you want to argue that this is the better bill murray performance if you want to argue that this might be bill murray's best performance um i think that's the scene that you want to point to and i'm going to have a hard time arguing with that even if i don't know something about that rushmore performance and character just sticks with me and owen wilson like i said i think he's just doing owen wilson-y stuff he's kind of the you know all shucks sincere guy with the southern accent um you know again a, a clear sort of counterpoint to steve's harder edge um but I, it works well like the dynamic works well you understand well he's able to sort of break down steve's defenses a little bit and he's not afraid to stand up to him too when um they're kind of at odds um so he's he's a good character and um you know, right in Owen Wilson's wheelhouse. I think that was good casting. I mean, obvious, you know, that Wes is going to put him in every movie now. Maybe probably wrote the character for him specifically, but it works. I mean, it's his first movie with when Owen's not helping him write the characters. So um, yeah, maybe he did him no, solid there. Jay, what about you? What did you think of Bill Murray and Owen Wilson? Yeah, I mean, I think I could be one of those people who would argue this is Bill Murray's best performance so far. And I probably would point to the ending like Scott Harvey uh, said one might. Uh, when making that case i mean he probably given the most to do here um, i mean certainly more than in royal tenenbaums and I, I think i could argue a little bit more than in rushmore um and yeah i mean he's the, he's the standout to me like you know for the trajectory that scott already described um i think that final scene is what sits with me the most not like my favorite scene but in terms of just like emotional beat um you know as they're like pulling up to the jaguar shark and then you know looking at it and everyone's like in awe and you know there's this sense of just like vindication and like everyone thought i was crazy which you know i mean the movie does a at least to me the movie does a good job making you feel like oh there's no way this is real and like this is building toward like you know early on at least like it's building towards you know this guy's a fraud or a flop or and you know just like yeah was doing this for selfish reasons and yeah ultimately is not the case and well, he's still doing it for selfish reasons, probably, but yeah, <laughs> sure. But like, it's yeah. yeah, he didn't, you know, like have yeah, his yeah. best friend killed or like, you know, t take the death of his best friend, even if it was caused by something else, and turn it into something right. grander for the sake of selling his documentary. Um, and yeah, like I, I don't know, I just really bought into all the like, I don't know, 
pain, but also like maybe triumph, or I guess like, like vindication is probably the word uh, that it feels like you, you feel him like holding on to yeah. uh, at the end. It's very validating. Yeah, totally. And, and especially, I mean, carrying it through all the way to the end, right? The reception that his film yep. gets, you know, up through the closing credits. I love that image too of him with the crowd walking behind him um, after he's finally been able to make another but, successful film. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't even know, right? He's not even inside while yeah, they're watching. He's sitting the movie. outside, he's not even. As opposed to you know, in the opening scene, he's you know in the theater and like trying to convince everyone that it's a good movie, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just that, like ultimately, right? Like, I guess to talk about themes for a moment, like he's seeking the, like that validation, right? Like the reason why he crave, like he craves attention, right? You talked about him being a narcissist, Scott, and you know, one way to do that is, is surround yourself with people who adore you. And another way to do that is to be validated by people you don't know. And I think that, you know, because he wasn't getting that validation from people he didn't know, he sought that with people around him, uh, I think you could say. And I think Bill Murray, he sort of has this like air about him that there's like an aloofness almost where I think he's really able to deliver that level of insecurity uh, in a way that I... um I think it's similar to what he's doing, I think, in in something like Rushmore, but it, it feels much more concentrated, if that makes sense. It's very it's like much more acute. Like he feels just like deeply unhappy with his life and in Rushmore. But I think it's more nuanced than that. I think there's an element of him being deeply unhappy with his life in this movie. But there's more to it than that. There's more nuance there. There's more going on. Um, I think there's like a, a, a richer character underneath that sort of surface in this one. And yeah, it's sort of hard to not i don't know kind of see what he does next right like he's not very likable but at the same time you can't help but want to know how his story is going to end um and not in a way that you're rooting against him either at least i didn't find it for me that way so overall i think that he's really able to embody this this particular character and what west wants or what west seems to want out of the character extremely well owen wilson i mean maybe this is very you know very owen wilson if that's the thing to say but i can't help but think that like I, I wish all of Owen Wilson's performances were, were like this because I think it's a really good performance. Um, you know, not to say he's phoning it in or anything. Another another movies I honestly not a big seen. Starsky and Hutch fan, I guess. Can't say I've seen those films, Scott. I didn't see Marry Me recently either, although I heard he wasn't too bad in that. He was good in Loki. I wouldn't say I'd say he didn't phone it in in Loki last year. Um, but yeah, he has that sort of like I don't know if I'd call it quite southern charm, but he has this sort of charisma about him the sort of warmth that i think lets you just sort of like go along with what he's doing um and you, and you can definitely see why he's able to ingratiate himself to the people around him um even the ones that are a little bit more prickly even people like eleanor um in the end who doesn't want to accept him because she knows that he can't be he can't be uh he can't be steve's son but i think that even eleanor warms up to him by the end of the film and his relationship with Kate Blanchett's character, Jane, I think is also an interesting one. It has, I mean, maybe there's a lot of consistencies in, in Wes's films, but has a very Rushmore vibe to me. I mean, it's not quite the same thing, obviously, because the eight, obviously like not one of them's not a student or whatever, but like, it's sort of like a weird inverse where like, I don't know, this time Bill Murray's character is like claimed her, or, you know, it's just really gross. Um, but then it's just like, you know what she wants isn't this guy who you know has claimed her as like you know he 
it's she's mine or you know you can't you can't betray me and that ends up what's happening again i think that unlike in rushmore for me i just thought that the sort of like the way this plays out in the film is just felt more rewarding more um you know more meaningful maybe in what what develops out of it and also more funny um in my opinion but i know that we might differ on some of those notes but what did you guys think of Kate Blanchett? Jay, let's let's sort of like, I guess, snake back around to you. Kate Blanchett or Willem Dafoe or anybody else in the supporting cast, Angelica Houston. Who would you like to talk about? I'll talk about Willem Dafoe. That was, I thought it was so funny. Um, Klaus? Klaus, Klausy. Like, I, I mean, he just plays the part so convincingly. Yeah. Willem Dafoe tends to do that. He tends to play the part pretty convincingly. No, sure. And like, I've, you know, I'm sure I've read only like 10% of the stories that you guys have had, but like, I get the sense that he's, I mean, and just from watching him, he's incredibly talented, like very compelling and like everything I've seen him in, even though like, you know, half of that is probably just Spider-Man. And even the lighthouse, which like I didn't love, but you know, you've seen the lighthouse. Oh my God. Okay. We'll talk about off air about that. I cannot believe. I feel like we've done this before, but that's fine. Um, It, uh, yeah, no, it's just like, I'll just never, I shouldn't say never, it's been like a day because I watched this yesterday, but like, you know, I, I get the sense that the image of him in this like beanie, just like, you know, crave, like just like this awkward red beanie, just like craving, you know, an older or like another man's approval, like, you know, as he's kind a of a father his, like, figure to him, right? And yeah, right. Like, I mean, that's, he says he's like, he literally thought, you know, thought has thought of him as a dad. Yeah, I, I was going to hesitate on that for a second because of the age difference, but then I was like, no, like he said that in the movie. Um, like that's why I hesitated a second ago. But yeah, no, he, that image of, you know, just like grown ass Willem Dafoe, uh, you know, being like, love me, daddy, like not literally, but you know, it just, I, I chuckled quite a bit at that. He has like an earnestness that he can really bring that I think is is great. Like Sp- Spider-Man, you know, you bring up Spider-Man, but I think that's a great example of it right there. Like, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Like he's just so sincere about it. And he's just, you know, kind of the same way here of being so sincere about his love of Steve. And I he's do something like of a moment. deckhand himself. Yeah. I do like that moment of, uh, of when he says, you know, he's thought of you as a dad and he says something like, don't tell anyone I said that or whatever. And Bill Murray, I forget exactly what his response is, but he has like, he delivers the line perfectly or something. He's like, well, can't promise that that's going to happen, uh, Klaus or something. I don't, that's not the exact line, but the way he delivers it is, is kind of, is pretty hilarious, but he's good. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, I think is hilarious. Um, as we've kind of already mentioned, I love the exchange that they have at the end of the movie where they're like with Eleanor and, he says like, oh, we haven't been very great husbands or whatever. He's like, well, it makes sense in my case. Cause I'm part gay. And then, and then Steve's like, supposedly everyone is, <laughs> it's just like a funny interaction between them, uh, between these two personalities. But Jeff Goldblum is like a great dumb arch rival. Like his character is so dumb. Like when he's on the boat and like literally surrounded by all of his equipment from the ship, and like doesn't even pick up on it until the very end of the movie when he's like that's my espresso machine and even when like they tell him that it was stolen he's just like he doesn't even really seem to put two and two together that like steve was the one who like raided his ship basically in this whole thing so i thought he was very entertaining and again somebody and i'll say this about kate blanchett too like i guess this is the first time goldblum's been in one of the movies right yeah so um 
I don't think he had like a small role in Tenenbaums or anything, but you know, when people come in to Wes Anderson movies, cause he has such a, you know, unique style and works so well with his, you know, community of actors. I think there's always a question mark of how well are they going to be able to adapt to it? Maybe not that big of a question mark with somebody like Jeff Goldblum. I think like he just gives off the vibe as like, yeah, he's going to fit perfectly. in this Eccentric world. aloof. Yeah. yeah. Kate Blanchett, though, maybe was a bit of more of a question mark. Although Kate Blanchett is just such a strong actress, I feel like she could do pretty much anything at this point. Um, but even still, I, I, you know, I find it very impressive the way that she's able to, um, you know, fit in with the rest of these quirky characters. And she gives the dialogue the same sort of stiffness and dead deadpan nature and everything like you're saying that calls for it but also has a real warmth about her character um and yeah again i like the portrayal of her as uh, this like working journalist trying to you know get the big story and um you know going right in for like the scandalous questions and everything even though steve thinks that she was brought in to do a puff puff piece um but also trying to balance that with like what's going on for her personally, which is, um, you know, that she is going to be raising a child very soon and probably going to be raising a child on her own because her editor is married and, um, you know, doesn't seem like he's going to have any part really in the child's life. I mean, Ned even says to her towards the end, you know, I think you'll be a great single mother. Um, so great performance, very likable character. Um, yeah. I thought, you know, as with most West movies, the supporting cast has really, you know, fun and well-realized characters all the way down the line. Michael Gambon felt a little out of place, maybe. Like, I feel like he didn't really have a whole lot to do as, like, the, what is he, like, the benefactor or something? Like, he's... He's the financer. Yeah, what, what wealthy guy, but I don't know. He didn't... Uh, he didn't he's like the producer, much. right? He's the one, like, funding the movie, basically. Yeah, because he's the one who says, like, you know, we can't, we're not going to be able to fund it. You know, I didn't even realize it was Michael Gambon. Else. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. But... yeah, that's who it is. Well, he, uh, you know, he's 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 fine, but I I think this is his only time working with Wes, maybe. Um, and I don't know that he fit into the world super well, kind of like I was saying. Like, it, it, it's kind of a nothing character also. But if I had to, you know, single out somebody in the cast, I guess I would say him, but. You know, it's a it's a fun group for sure. Yeah, I, I really don't have anything to add much more than what you guys said, because I just have so much praise for the supporting cast. I think they all really play their roles really well. One person more to shout out. I just I just couldn't stop laughing. The fact that Matthew Gray Goobler is like an intern um, in this movie. And just like the interns were great. Spencer from Criminal Minds just really going off as an intern. Um, really cracked me up a little bit. I guess I was like, right. This was probably like right before that show started. Cause that was probably like 2005, 2006 when that show started. Um, but yeah, I know Willem Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum, Kate Blanchett, nothing but praise. I think Angelica Houston, um, probably not quite as good as the others in the cast, um, that we were just, that we were just mentioning there. Um, but, but I still really liked her. I like the character. I feel it's so interesting to, to see someone like this, um, you know, she played Ethelene in the last movie. I think she was a lot more likable um, and relatable as a character. But I think one of the maybe one of the shortcomings of the film is I think it's really hard. I mean, yes, you can understand why she's so fed up with with Steve because he's just such like an exasperating person. I feel like, especially if you think about 
you know, how long they've been together, whatever. But, but even with that, I, I feel like I have a hard time empathizing too much with her because she like also just seems like kind of a nasty person, to be honest, in terms of how she treats not just Steve, but sort of the whole endeavor of, you know, diving and, and people who are just trying to do, you know, the work that they're given. So maybe I would have liked a little bit more from that character. I don't know if that too much of that is down to um, too much of that is down to her. But interesting point, I think, to bring up nevertheless. But yeah, I, I guess the next thing to talk about is just sort of like the humor and the emotional uh, points, because, you know, we sort of touched briefly on a lot of the cast. I think like the humor really works for me. Um, it always has, as I sort of consistently said in the last few episodes. I don't think that's going to change in any of the next ones either. I think you mentioned Scott at the beginning that, you know, Wes Anderson movies to you are sort of always funny. And I, I agree with this. And I and sort of like I was alluding to myself earlier, I just think that there's moments <laughs> in this film that are just like absolutely hilarious. Like I, I found the whole, you know, not even I mean, it is intentionally funny, but it's not even like traditional humor, like the whole them like coming out of the water on the beach um, when they're like getting onto the island. I just think it's like the the willingness to sort of hold that shot for like 45 seconds as they slowly emerge in the water. Something about that is just so funny um, when, to me. And even in some of like the, you know, again, deeper lines, like when he says to Ned, he's like, I'm sorry that I ignored your existence or whatever, pretended like you didn't exist for so long. It won't happen again. <laughs> like, how could it happen again? Like, well, I could ignore him for 10 years. I mean, yeah, but it's just one of those. It, there's just something funny about it. And when he says, "Like I haven't been the same," uh, or it's been a it's been a bad decade for me, or something like a whole decade, you yeah, know? It's just little lines. And I think the actor's delivery is so key to it. Also, when they're about to break into Jeff Goldblum's ship, and they're like, "Isn't this like a crime or something?" And he's like, "It's a scientific community, man." Yeah. It, it, it totally reminds me of the line that he has in Ghostbusters where he's like, back off, man. I'm a scientist. Uh, I thought it was just funny. Um, yeah, different portrayals black. of scientists when you have, you know, Willem yeah. Dafoe, who's something of a scientist himself, but then Bill Murray, who's, yeah, I'm a scientist. So, you know, different vibes bringing to the table, maybe, but maybe there's a theme. Wes is just trying to aggregate all the scientists um, in, into one into one super film. Um, so maybe that's, what's, maybe that's what Asteroid City is going to be. It's going to be a super film of scientists. And I have to wait and see to find out about that. But again, humor really worked for me. Um, it, it sounded like, Scott, and I'm, I'm curious for you to elaborate even more on on this, but it sounded like, you know, you were maybe even more so than the humor really impacted by the emotional um, the emotional points of the film. You talked about the end specifically. Is there anything more you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's just like this the whole like realization he comes to about the community of people aboard his ship. And like, you know, we talked about the scene where he sees the Jaguar shark and um, you know, his reaction to that and says, I wonder if, you know, he remembers me or whatever. But the other part of that scene that I think is affecting is the way that all of them like wrap their arms around him, like at the same time. And so there's just like that image of him being very emotional for the first time in the movie and them all like sort of embracing him. Um, really really worked for me maybe it's also with like some of the context of like for example the french dispatch i think is another movie which has sort of that similar idea about this community that obviously we're going to talk about much later on um maybe that has something to do with it i always like movies too like when uh, people who are very passionate about a, a thing and it goes unrecognized and then all of a sudden you know they finally received recognition for 
the thing that they're very passionate about that, you know, they have been dreaming of and hoping of. So that last moment is that right of, um, you know, everyone really connecting with this film finally for the first time in a while. So I thought that stuff was really good. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just, maybe it's just like some, some themes that just kind of work for me and, um, whether it's in a Wes Anderson movie or not. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's sentimental. And like you said, and the performance, especially Bill Murray's performance, like in that scene there and the, uh, with the Jaguar shark, I think it really dialed up the emotional, um, level for me. Jay, I think you, you mentioned being sort of in touch with that moment as well. Did you want to add anything else or call out any other moments? I can touch on that moment. Um, a little more just i think in the grander scheme of the west movies we've seen so far i think yeah in terms of like emotional gut i don't want to say punches but just like tugging at the emotional gut sure like that's probably the one that sticks out to me the most like the other movies have had some really great moments for some other reasons but when i think in terms of like that made my like you know heart hurt like a little bit it feels like that one's just gonna stick with me a little bit more uh and I mean, just to circle back to the the comedy, like I I thought it worked in this one too. Um, I thought there were some really funny moments. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and not say my favorite scene because it, it is one of those. But like the humor, again, still just like works for me. Uh, I, you know, the if you want to to call out what you said about you know people saying that like oh maybe he didn't really innovate. I'm like, so what? Like it's still funny. Another another thing which I forgot to mention also is the fact that he he has kept uh, Ned's letter for so long. Um, also, I think is a a pretty interesting like eye opening moment of is this guy really as much of an a hole as like he tries to be? Like you know, is he really as much of an a hole as we've been thinking, or is he just like trying to be? Um, that's kind I mean, of. I mean, I guess the question would be, did he keep it because? it was Ned and it might be this person that he has this connection to, or is it because it's a letter that boosts his ego and it makes him feel good? Yeah. I don't know. I think that's, I think that's the tension like through the whole movie. Uh, I mean, again, until the end, I think does kind of, you know, maybe break down some of that facade, but um, yeah, I think Wes and Noah Baumbach would probably say, you're meant to be asking that question and that maybe there's not a clear answer to it, but um, still I, you know, coming in the context of like them, their bond being closer than ever. I did think it was a nice, you know, emotional twinge there that you get from that scene. The idea that maybe it was meaning it was something that was meaningful to him because, you know, we do eventually find out that, he did suspect that Nate, Ned was his son, like from the very beginning. So you have to think that is part of why he held on to the letter, but maybe not. I mean, at maybe the end of the film, we find two out that two together. Yeah. I mean, we find out at least if you believe Eleanor, that Ned is not his son, but do we think that Steve thinks that Ned is his son still at the end of the film? I wish I could remember like the exact exchange that they have there at the end. I feel like he says something that indicates that he knows that he's not his son, but that he feels like a son to him anyway. Um, I, I feel like that sentiment gets um, expressed, but 
maybe maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm misremembering, but yeah, maybe that's another question that is kind of left up in the air. Does it change how you read? I mean, would that change how you read the film? Depending on what the answer is, maybe. It's not something. It's not something I've thought about. Like I would, ha I would have to think about it a little bit more. I guess. Okay, Jay, give him some time to think about it. What would? What do you think? Just on whether or not he knew, or yeah, and and how that may changes your read of the movie, one way or the other. I mean, I think it changes it. I don't know if it necessarily makes it better or worse, but I think it, sure. I don't it, even mean it as a connotation of better. No, or worse, sure. I I didn't pick up on that potential sentiment uh, towards the end where like maybe he says something that alludes to that he doesn't know like I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't there I, I just didn't pick up on that I, I maybe need to rewatch the last half hour hour um <laughs> maybe i just need to rewatch the last two hours of the movie <laughs> i didn't say that um, i know i know i know <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i i guess what i was just like I, I in my mind he didn't know and it kind of felt like he shouldn't because the person who did like found out without his knowledge and like Mm -hmm. you know unless is it possible like steve found out on his own at some point in life sure um you wouldn't think so though given the earlier conversation he had about like having children and stuff but yeah yeah because he's uh, like i hate fathers i never wanted to be one or whatever so oh but no there's there's the one uh where he's like we should have had a kid um yeah, yeah that yeah the, yeah yeah sorry right. that's the line i'm referring to as part of the yeah where it's you know it, it doesn't feel like a conversation you even like you know, even like have as like, you know, if that's not something that would be in the realm mind. of possibility, yeah. if you, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. if you're that person. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, in, in my mind, he didn't know. And I guess like maybe become, it, it makes, it's a little more, I guess, see, it's just redeeming in different ways if he knew or didn't know, right? Like if, if he did know and he did kind of get there, it's like, okay, he like learned how to be a father, you know, over the course of like two hours but like if he if, it, if he that's if he didn't know um but if he did know you could argue the same thing but you know yeah maybe more selflessly even sure um, i feel like we metagamed ourselves a little bit there maybe that's a little bit yeah <laughs> like knotted up now yeah yeah, yeah. well I, I guess as a as a last question before we wrap things up i'm just curious i think we brought it up a couple times how maybe thematically if not executionally similar this is to the life aquatic with sorry the life aquatic Steve is to the royal tenenbaums do you think that you know is like do you think it's too similar i don't even mean this is like good or bad because i think you can it can be similar and be just as good if not better um and i, I don't mean to frame this as a problem but like is it a concern that he's making almost the same movie with a different rapper if you'd put it that way um or is it still is it fresh enough to to not be on your mind too much? It, it just came up from both of you very early on, I feel like, in the conversation. So I'm just curious if that, if that was present in your mind at all as you watched it even. And is that an issue? I mean, I, I do think I it came up in, in the sense of like parts, parts of the movie, parts of Steve's character like are a little reminiscent of Royal Tenenbaum, I guess. But... I think for me, at least introducing this like extra element of like the filmmaking into it and like Steve being passionate about, you know, being a filmmaker and, you know, that playing a role kind of in what he, what he is doing. Um, I think, I don't know, that distinguishes it somewhat because I don't feel like Royal Tenenbaum has that same thing. 
um, that sort of is driving him throughout the movie. Um, so that's one element which I think is different. I don't know. It didn't feel too. It didn't feel too samey for me. Yeah, and for me, like I the I know I also mentioned it pretty early on, but to me the the similarities are pretty surface level. Um, and like you know, if even if like the character, some of the character flaws of the old man protagonist like are somewhat similar, I do think there's enough different just between the stories themselves uh, that I'm like you know, even though we're kind of watching two people go on like you know what emotionally might be like somewhat similar journeys, like there's enough different happening around. I mean, this this just even just the environment of this movie, maybe I think that's probably one thing that makes it so different right so this isn't taking place in some like old wealthy home this is taking place like on a boat uh and like you know with all the elements of like i mean you know pirates and dynamite and like you know jaguar Mm -hmm. sharks like it it even if some of the themes are similar it's dressing up the movie uh yeah differently enough that i'm like again i I noticed this the you know very surface level similarities but i'm not like now these were too similar if the yeah. next movie ends up being about as similar as these two were, then I'm like, okay, maybe you're telling this story a little bit too much. But I also know nothing about the next movie. so I don't think it's going to be. Uh, the Darjeeling Limited refers to a train, I believe. So I don't know if... Uh, it's about two it, brothers. I yeah, believe, I don't know if there's so. fathers involved. I'm not sure. I haven't seen it myself. Yeah, I think... I mean, your point there is, I think, is exactly right. Jay, for at least the way I think about it, like the film is certainly very different. Like one is a family drama. The other is almost an adventure um, film. This feels more of like a vibes movie than maybe like any of the other ones that he's made. Tenenbaums is big vibes. Talked not about so far. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, I, a, it's just yeah. a family hanging out. Maybe. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I it didn't, I didn't think about it when I was watching Tenenbaums. It, it struck me a little bit more here, but yeah, I'd say there's way more plot in this movie than in Tenenbaums, so. right? Like he's making a is movie. There? Yeah, I get. I, the plot just seems very superficial, like the the pirates and like you know we're gonna rob Jeff Goldblum shit now. I don't. know. It feels like a little episodic. Maybe that's kind of what I'm saying. Sure, sure, yeah. Episodic, yeah. I mean, look, I think vibes are critical almost always in West movies, and I think that's certainly true for this one and and the Royal Attendant Bombs. But I, I guess I would have. I, I mean, I might classify the other one as more of a hangout film. Um, but that's fine. Cause I, I was, I made the joke, I think on the podcast last time about how I felt like Royal Tenenbaums is what I ultimately wanted Rushmore to be. I wanted Rushmore to be like a full on hangout film for the full two hours. And I feel like that's what Tenenbaum was, but r- neither here nor there. I think this, this has a bit of an adventure vibe to it. Right. And I think that maybe the plot is just surface level, but it certainly provides a different experience. And I think what you're getting with Tenenbaums, um, yeah, we'll see how much old men and, you know, their sentimentality and their failings as an adult come up in future West movies. Who knows if it's the last time we'll come across that, that theme, but guys, I think that will do it. Let's wrap things up. Favorite scene or moment, Jay, what was it for you? It was, uh, when the pirates have boarded the ship, uh, and, uh, you know, Steve's being asked about the vault and he's like, there's no vault. And then it cuts to (laughs) the video of him talking about like, we have like, this is our vault. We have like 10 currencies from all over the world at any given time inside here. And then the next shot or the the next shot is like a bunch of pirates just like eating and watching the video. Yeah. That, I don't know. That to me was just like, 
really silly. Yeah, and, and as a follow up to that, like when they recover the vault later, he's like, "We got your, we got your like your what was it your um your inheritance back," and then it pans down and there's a huge hole in the back of the. Yeah, and somehow like of... no one noticed that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, I mean, I feel like we didn't we didn't talk about the Bond Company Stooge played by Bud Court, absolute hero. What an icon. When they when they hear his message or whatever, like you could have told us where you were. Yeah. <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. Scott, what about you? Um, yeah, I mean, again, I think it's all about you know the I like the entire movie, but like it's really all all about that. That last my favorite moment minutes. was the entire film. No, no, no. I'm I, I'm saying that because I keep talking about the ending, and I right. don't want to make it sound like that was the only part of the movie I liked, but. Um, I really like the ending. I think, uh, I mean, really, honestly, three three movies in a row, right? I think when Wes sort of pivots into the more emotional stuff, I've su been surprised at how well it has worked, considering that, like, you could, you know, you, you could very easily say that all three of the protagonists of the last three movies have been, you know, blatantly unlikable characters. Um I think it really speaks to his skill as a filmmaker that in spite of all of that, he's really able to make you feel something for them in the climaxes of these movies. Uh, and I think he does it again here and um, particularly the scene where they see the Jaguar shark. Um, maybe my favorite scene that we've talked about so far. Yeah, for me, it's, it's related to the pirates, uh, not the, where they board the boat, although that is a great scene. It is when, and surprisingly, maybe based on how many times I've talked about it already, them going, you know, storming the beach and then going in the house and ultimately having the shootout, such a dumb shootout, <laughs> shootout that they had uh, between the two of them. Just Bill Murray just standing out in the open of the doorway, somehow not getting hit by any of the bullets flying around and seems like managing to like completely unload his entire gun without hitting a single person uh, in the room. So great shootout for me it was great. Loved it. Um, that's why I come for action movies like these so that no one hits anything in the entire film. Great stuff. All right, Jay, out of 10, what are you giving The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou? This one gets a 7.9. All right, Scott, your turn. Eight, eight and a half. I really like this movie. Probably my second favorite that we have discussed this thus far. After? I don't know. No, after Rushmore. I think Rushmore is probably my number one right now. Got it. Okay. Eight two for me. Big fan of this movie. Really charmed by it. Felt similarly to this as I did um, Royal Tenenbaums in terms of the, the charm that it sort of cast on me. And yeah, looking forward to continuing to be charmed in the future. Uh, and that should do it for part four of the Anderson Countdown. Don't forget to check out all the regular episodes of Some Like It Scott in, our, in this very same podcast feed where you found this. You can also check out our podcast Patreon at www.patreon.com slash mediaplugpods. If you can support us over there, we'd appreciate it. But if not, that's okay. You can still find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts, where we'd love it if you rated, reviewed, subscribed, shared, all that stuff so we can continue to reach a broader audience. We really appreciate you for taking time out of your day to listen to us chat about movies. We'll be back next week with part five of our Anderson Countdown when we'll be revisiting the Darjeeling Limited. I, should, I say revisited, but none of us have seen that film. So visiting for the first time. Uh, the Darjeeling Limited. We hope you'll join us then. But until then, for Jay Habib and Scott Harvey, I'm Scott Shelton. We'll see you next time.